great DJ, sharing your, your what you're learning with the cross. I'm so proud of you, seeing you as a two-year-old Christian and watching your faith and watching your fighting. I see that perseverance. You know, the cross, everything starts and ends at the cross of Christ. Sometimes we can make Bible or church complicated. The Bible is the Word of God, but it really is going back to what does the cross of Christ mean to you? Why do I do what I do? Jesus died for me. And no matter where you're at, it's awesome to go back to that as you read God's word because it centers your heart on continuing to help you answer your own questions about why do I decide to obey God and trust God and forgive people, right? So uh, it was awesome to see Linda stand up there. Thank you so much for your great and powerful humility. You did such a, a joy and uh, you're such a, uh, just you have so many aspects of what it means to be a disciple already, and we've seen those, so thank you. It was awesome to have you, and obviously through the Bentleys and the Hills. Martin, thank you for the contribution. Awesome. And, uh, just great to be together. Um, today, uh, I want to kind of segue into what I was talking about last Sunday, and I said, remember I said I had to wait until this Sunday, Martin? Well, I don't know if it's a part two, but it's part of it. Um, you know, if you remember uh, last Sunday, we I was getting ready to get into more of what we were learning, and I was talking about seeing God in your trouble, in your pain, seeing perseverance, which would be God, let perseverance work. So that you can, your endurance can grow. And I really believe God, what, you know, Jerry was talking about perseverance, but the Bible says rejoice when trials and troubles of all kind come your way because it's an opportunity for great joy. So, you know, like that, we were saying it's an oxymoron, right? If you're not spiritually minded, you could go, why would I rejoice? That's a, and it's, he's not saying to go rah, rah when you're having a hard time. He feels your pain and it's tough. We're human beings. But he's saying, what he's saying is not in the pain are you going to actually get the reward. You need to suffer through and trust God and persevere by Jesus, Lord, and obey God in prayer and walking with him and knowing that he does not, he's not so busy that he's not aware that this crisis is happening. He's allowed it. Because God is a good God. He's either caused it or he's allowed it. Doesn't mean he necessarily agrees with it because you may have caused your own pain by unwise decisions or sin. But he's still there. And so when problems and trials come, it's an opportunity for joy. So that should change your mindset right away. But also the Bible says, and if we can go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, the title lesson is, Be Strong in the Lord. And let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Because I think it's the hardest thing, even though I'm preaching on this, I have to just go, God, help me when I'm in a bad place, emotionally or mentally or both. Because of outward circumstances or maybe because of eternal things that God is pulling up in your life. And if you don't, Really try to go, God, help me learn what I'm learning as you're staying close to God and walking with God. So you're ready to be aware of these challenges. Because when you go into an emotional, mental, or say you've been sinned against, you're hurt, whatever. There's, no, there's nothing you need to explain. God's like, hey, if it's real and it's hurt and you're in pain, I acknowledge that. I don't want you to feel bad, but I want you to see me. And understand why I'm either allowing or causing it. And the only way you're going to be able to see that without getting bitter or an attitude is to be strong in the Lord. In verse 10 of Ephesians 6, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, 
so that when the day of evil comes, not if, when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. To be strong in the Lord is not just a, you can't just say that. You have to understand what it means to be strong in the Lord. And that's to make Jesus Lord. So until, like I know I needed to study, I believed in Jesus intellectually, I believed in God intellectually, I believed he died for me, but until I studied the Bible 29 years ago and understood the cross and really why Jesus died, just, it was for me not only just to have grace and forgiveness, but to make Jesus Lord and trust him with my life and live according to the way he wants me to live and live and then realize that he's, I have a reason to live in a way that's more than just temporary. Right? And that's what we do as disciples. Yeah. But that meant put on the mighty, put on the strong of the Lord. What does that mean? We know the word of God is living and active. So we know I, need, I needed to start learning to love the word. And when I started studying the Bible and guys were helping me understand my faith and answer my questions, like what does it mean to, how do I get right with God? I mean, what is a Christian? And those are questions that I, I, needed, I didn't know. I just believed in God. I said, is there a lot? Can anybody have a lot? Like, what are we supposed to do? And there is a way of life, right? Not only individually, but then we know as a church, and God calls the church his family and heirs, but there's a way of life. Yeah. But you got to learn that. And then to be strong in the Lord is to read God's word, which is not just words on paper, right? It, came, it, it comes with you when you really are open and humble. It will come with, and you'll be able to have deep conviction. Yeah. It's not just words. It came with power, deep conviction, the Holy Spirit. And your eyes are open, so to speak, spiritually. And it starts to hit you. I looked at the Bible. It's a very confusing book that it looks so big. I can't even, oh, where, where do I even go? Until someone started to help me. And then I was open to seeking God. So it was my heart. And I realized when I was open. And I learned even in the Bible where God says, if you're willing to seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. And I go, well, I just need to be open to realize I don't have it all figured out. Yeah. So when I was humble, the word started to be alive to me. And I started to see. God's truth, not only on the word, but it started to move me. And then I, after I'd read and learn, I'd be out in life. And it was moving me to adjust accordingly yeah. with the way I live and how I see things. Yeah. Which I'm like, wow, this is exciting. And that's the full armor of God. You need to continue to go to God. Build your faith in the word. Obey God. By obeying God... It enforces that your your faith and your belief in God, because fully com, com, committing to God through Jesus and His Word really tells yourself, like, why would I do this if I don't believe it? Yeah. And of course, He says the full armor of the, law, of, the of God insists so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Well, most people don't even think about the devil, media, and movies and cartoons and everything sensationalize it like it's a funny little joke thing. Comedians will use it. But it's real. God, the devil is a fallen angel. Because free will choice everybody has. Even the angels. Because a third of them fought. There was war in heaven. That's, a, that's incredible. That you think they see God in the glory and they and because God allowed them and I can't explain much more except what the Bible says but there was war in heaven. And the devil, which was the lead angel in, in, in the Old Testament, refers to even like you've heard Lucifer, but it was he was the lead angel, a fallen angel, and he and he talked a third of the angels to leave. And no one knows how many angels there are, but they're all over God says working. And and God works through them. They're celestial beings. In Hebrews 1 14, it says, Angels are celestial beings created by God to do to, sent to those who are wanting to do his will and live for him. So God's power. But then it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But isn't that what happens right away when you get offended? Someone cuts you off in the car. Yeah. Your struggle is not against that person. Yeah. Why are you getting ready to be mad and angry? It's, think about it. That's real. That's life. That's walking away. What's that mean? Struggle is not against flesh and blood. Real life human beings ticking you off and offending you. Whether it's a misunderstanding or whatever. Yeah. We first, we go that. Then you hold an attitude. And then you get critical. Yeah. And 
And even though that's all understandable, it's unacceptable when we get there. And when you're putting on the full arm of the Lord and working in your faith, you're capturing those thoughts and you're allowing God and you're acknowledging sinful wiring of thoughts or attitudes. And now you're going to the cross and with the power of God, you're, you're grabbing it. It's real. Whether you need to go address that with somebody and say, can we talk? But your heart is not just raising or bitter, but you're, you're realizing that God wants perfect unity. Peace be with you. You can't have peace if you don't have resolve or reconciliation. Isn't that the power of God? Flesh and blood. I mean, think about it. It all starts there. That's amazing. And then we have to remember, hey, that's not the issue. It doesn't mean you don't have to talk it through with someone or address something. But you got to just grab things quickly when you're when in the heat of the moment. Impatience. Something goes wrong. Uh, incompetence in somewhere you're at, waiting uh, in, in a business or line or whatnot, impatience, the frustration come. It's real. Someone may not doing their job right or something might have happened and it's making you frustrated. That's of course it's going to make you. Your day has been stopped and rerouted. You wanted to do this and this happened. God allowed that or caused it. To see, and, and your job as a true disciple, strong in the Lord, is go, how am I going to respond or react to whatever's happening? It's your heart God wants. Yeah. So to be strong in the Lord, we must do that. And let's look at James 1, 5. Now, as you're turning there, in the last verses, you know, I, I read verse 14, which strong in the Lord, it said, Be strong then with the truth of the belt, the belt of truth around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Well, truth, once you find truth and you study the Bible and you go, now I can be confident in the only thing I can be confident that will never change. You know, God even says in, in different ways, but I love in Malachi, I think it's chapter 3, it is chapter 3, and he says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O Jacob, won't be destroyed. He's saying, I don't lose my temper so bad where I go, it's over. I went... Think how quick we change our behavior or get an attitude. God says he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Doesn't that, I just go, oh my gosh, he's so loving. He's so patient. He's working with me. I just got to give my heart back. And then God says, of course, don't come to me if you have an attitude. Go reconcile because you can't be fake and be right with me, so to speak, and have all these feelings or attitudes or anger or sin or something unresolved. You just can't. You got to go deal. Now you got to ask God to give you strength, but you can't. You can't look at a certain person and have anger or ill feelings without dealing with it. You can't just pray to God and go, "I'm okay." Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in James one five, it says, "If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you." That's incredible. Not hopefully you'll get it. Hopefully, he'll, if you keep begging, he'll send it. It just says, if you lack wisdom, ask him. What's wisdom? Wisdom's in between what you're going to do or information. It's knowledge, but knowledge without wisdom can still get, can make mistakes. Wisdom is how do I deal with the temperament of the room and the and the vibe of what's going on or how do I approach this issue there's more the way there's more than one way to skin a cat you ever heard of that yeah. I don't even know what that means but it means there's more ways to do something instead of just being single-minded there's God will open your mind but it says in verse 6 it goes on this is powerful but when you ask you you, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. That's deep. Now you look at this and you go, oh. We can get struggled because of that. But that's not, it may not be necessary because we, we all, it's normal to have doubt and struggle. So it's not like, oh no, but you have to be strong enough to go, if you really believe Jesus is Lord, yeah. Jesus died for you on the cross, and trust God's word in your life, you have to grow through these things. You can't just stay up and down like that's what, see, double-minded is, is like a wave of the sea, just taught, it actually says it better than I can, blown and tossed by the wind. 
it's just up and down, up and down. It's almost like being led by your emotions and allowing your emotions to interfere with your faith. Yeah. If your emotions, emotions are real, but you got to learn to temper them. You got to learn to realize, hey, it, it's, it, it, we love you, what's going on, but understand God loves you just the way you are. We don't want to leave you that way. So these emotional challenges that affect your behavior, you got to get a hold of if it's sinful and go, God, help me. Because you can't just, you know, you, you want to grow through that so you don't go back and forth and believe and, and trusting and not trusting. Right. See, belief goes with trust. And that takes faith to trust and give your heart to imperfect people by giving your heart. And see, you don't have to worry about whether they're going to do something. Because see, when you trust God, you're beyond that. It's like they may, they may let you down. They may hurt you. That's not even on the menu anymore when you're trusting God and be strong in the Lord. I will give my heart even if they shoot it and stick an arrow in it. Wow. I'll hurt and I'll hopefully go, God, help the arrow get out. Help me raise up. And then I'm going to open my heart up again and say, if anybody's willing, whatever I do, I help. Step on my heart. Run my heart over. It's not fun. It's not easy. I can get attitudes, get hurt. But i got to go back to the cross and be strong in the Lord. You see what I'm saying? This is what it really means. This is when you're really trusting in the Lord and not being tossed. They hurt me or that happened or I knew this. You, you don't go back and bite the hand God's feed you. Sometimes when you're hurt or somebody at the church, you stop coming or you stop obeying. It's not the church's fault. It, 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 something may have happened, but you're faithful. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the head of the church. Yeah. Why do you step back on obeying when you're hurt? Because you stop seeing God first, and now you look at the flesh and blood. Yeah. He says the battle's not against the flesh and blood. Yeah. Have you ever seen the constant rolling of huge waves at sea? Maybe in the movie, maybe you've been on a cruise, you got out on your thing. We, there were a lot of us went on a cruise, and you see the, just the, it's like, oh, I just imagine dropping, being knocked over that ship, the cruise ship, in the ocean. You know, it may not even look like it's raging, but if you're in that water, I mean, it, there's a lot going on in the ocean's currents. You're nothing. <laughs> but see, they're restless, and, and, and it really shows the waves at sea, uh, they're like restless. They're just moving in, in kind of no direction. And that means because it's subject to the the forces of wind and gravity and the tide, and we can't, but that's scientifically, it's, it's just all crazy. But doubt leaves a person as unsettled as a restless wave. If you have doubt, you start to become unsettled. And you know what that means, you're not at peace, you just have some anxiety about something. I hope it's gonna work out, I hope it's gonna happen. I hope, or you, you gotta give it to God and go, it may not, but that's okay. I'm going to go and be involved, and I'm not going to just head there. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm, can I trust? No, that's up to God. You just do your part. Yeah. And when good, bad, and ugly comes your way, you trust in the Lord. Yeah. That's what Jesus did. Right. To believe and not doubt means, I really believe, means believing not only in the existence of God, but also in his loving care. See, if you don't believe in his loving care when you're in the trials or challenges, whatever they are, pain, then you start to struggle. Because you got to believe God's loving care is part of believing in God. I believe in God. I believe Jesus died for me. It's not just to be obedient and, 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 and you know, have that fear of like that one side, like God's like, you got to just do what's right or you, he's a policeman. No, he loves you. Even what you go through, but he knows you're not going to continue to be a wave. You're going to be more become solid. Yeah. So do you believe in God's loving care for you yeah. right now, this week? It, it includes relying on God and expecting that he will hear and answer you when you pray. Because it says... If you lack wisdom, well, when you're struggling, a lot of times it's obvious something's not working out in your life or something's happening. So maybe you want to just, you know, you're going to be praying, but you want to go to God in prayer. Help me out, man. I don't know what to do or help me approach this. Help me see this. Help me understand what I'm supposed to learn. Yeah. That's asking for wisdom. That's help. That's a heart of wisdom. 
And he says, it says, he will give you generously without fault. He wants you not just to be stuck and be tossed and not understand. Most people go through problems and challenges that haven't fully come in fully to God, understanding, making Jesus Lord. They believe in God, but they're tossed around. They don't understand. And then when it's tough, they're like, you know, they may not say it, but they're like, why is this happening, God? Yeah. No, that's not the answer. That's not the question. It's what am I supposed to learn? Right. Not why. So, point number one is see God's grace through his donkey warnings. Turn to Numbers 22. That's, this is where I was going to go. See, I want you to see pain, and you might think, what? Well, Numbers, and we're going to talk about a, a certain character that's in the scriptures here, his life, Balaam. Very, you know, if you look at it, and I've been studying it for years and off and on, and even going through it, it's like you, it, it's like, man, what, what is the lesson in this? Well, Balaam is, oh, he, uh, Numbers twenty-two. We're going to go to Numbers twenty-two, and we're going to pick it up in verse uh, fifteen. And I want to uh, let us understand that Balaam, let me just read this, Balaam, you notice uh, you, don't, you don't really hear anybody named Balaam, just like, uh, yeah, Jezebel or, you know, it's funny, uh, Judas, Balaam, but Balaam I want you to see had the grace of God working in his life just like anybody else and he had a shot and he actually was on the right track and then he blew it and the problem here is uh that's that's what you got to understand no matter what happens in your life are you going to still stay faithful and strong in the lord Th this character uh is a, is a man and he was one of those people in the old testament though not one of god's chosen people wasn't a Jewish chosen person. He was willing to acknowledge that Yahweh, God, the Lord, was indeed a powerful God. But he did not believe in the Lord as the only true Lord. He got close, but he still allowed himself to kind of be pulled into what he was involved in. He was what you would see today as a palm reader. He'd probably have his little palm reading psychic, you know those stores? Yeah. They had the thing come in and let me do that. He was a sorcerer. That was really worshiping false gods and believing in false gods. Uh, Balaam was a man that was torn between a call to deliver the message of God that God gave him and his desire to profit from serving a pagan king. Tossed, double-minded. Yeah. He had it going, and then he got tossed by temptations, not just trials. The battle to stay focused on Jesus is Lord. You guys with me? So, let's get into this. In Numbers 22, 15, it says, Then Balak sent officials more numerous and more distinguished than the first. Meaning, this was the leader that was trying to say, I want you, Balaam, to come and I want you to work for me and I want you to go put curses or whatever on you. He said no at first, and then he, this guy comes again with more distinguished than the first. Verse 16, they came to Balaam and said, This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me. Verse 17, because I will reward you handsomely, handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I would not do anything, great or small, to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. So right there, you're like, wow, amen, bro. All in. Verse 19. Now spend the night here so I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. That night, God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them. But do only what I tell you. See, let's hold it right there. Balaam entered into his prophetic role seriously. But his heart was mixed. Yeah. See, when God calls us, or when we start to really want to 
love God and we're going to church and everything, I didn't even realize my heart was mixed. Even though I was raised in a way to believe in God, and some people that I've met never had a chance to even really go, do I really believe in Jesus? See, I believe in God Jesus, but I never obeyed or lived. I was in sin all my life. And when I got into a teenage years, it just kind of, when my parents didn't kind of make me go, then I realized, I didn't even realize because I didn't know what, but I, you know, it just more drifted. But I still believed in God. But I was all over the place. And when I started studying the Bible, I'm just like battle, mixed all over the place. Sin, life, sin, God, sin, 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 God, but not knowing, not knowing anything. He had knowledge of God, but not enough to repent of his magic and turn wholeheartedly to God. He kept that sin like a pet sin. So you can't keep pet sins, so to speak. You know, you get right with God, it's all or nothing. You cannot just say, oh, God understands. You've got to deal with what God brings up to your heart, and that's what we're going to talk about. What does God bring up to our hearts? And that's grace. See, when I say... See God's grace through his donkey, war donkey warnings. We're going to talk about a donkey in a minute here that, that you might go, what up? But I want to ask you that when you say donkey, donkey warnings, it's God works in all different ways to try to get your attention. But if you're not studying the word and open to the word, then you won't see or realize things that happen. The word will connect your mind as you're walking with God that life happens. What are you learning? Car trouble, financial trouble. Problems. It doesn't mean God's punishing you. It's like he's learning. It's like not just your turn. You're in this. You look at other people and other people. No. What is God teaching you? First of all, he will always provide if you do what's right and trust him. And then what are you learning? Well, perseverance is a great learn. Stay in that. What it means to persevere, it's to be faithful. If you don't be faithful and you're sending it up, that's not persevering in God's sight. That's just getting through it. So let's continue. I'm going to read verse 20 again. Chapter 22, verse 20. That night God came to Balaam and said, These men have come to summon you. Go with them. Do what I tell you. So uh, I want to say point number two as we continue is wake up. Why? Well, I'm not telling you like being insulting or disrespectful. Wake up. I'm saying we need to think about being awake spiritually. As we walk around in our lives. Many places. Jesus says stay awake. Keep watch. You will not understand. It will be like a thief in the night. And he's not trying to scare us. He's saying I want you to be walking in my spirit. I want you to realize that walking with me. Not just when you come to church or do your time with the Bible. Try to when you leave that. It's really who are you in between coming to God in prayer and coming, who are you? And are you aware of what God's trying to show you in life through the world with eyes that will see it if you're awake up? Let's look in verse uh, 21, chapter 22 of Numbers. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. 22. But God was angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow pathway through the vineyards with walls on both sides. Stop right there. The thing I want to ask myself and maybe ask you is why was it, you know, we're going to see this donkey talk to him. And as we look at this, I want you to think, why isn't he shocked when the beast speaks to him? I don't know about you, even if you have a dog, I mean... Bonzo, you went out to throw a ball with Kenzo. But you love it. You've had since a baby. You've been, Ken, you know, Bonzo, Kenzo, many of you have been over there. It's a really loving, nice dog. But it comes up to you and it's happy and it's loving. But just say one day you got home and said, how was your day, dude? Tough day, huh? You'd be like, I mean, come on. You'd be shocked. Well, I, I can just say, I was looking at the scriptures, and back then, uh, this certainly wasn't a 
an everyday occurrence, even for a, you know, a person that is involved in satanic stuff, and he was involved in, uh, you know, the, the false gods worshiping witchcraft type stuff. But Satan spoke through a snake when he deceived Eve, and we go with that, and we go, that would have been intense too. Yeah. It was a snake, it's not just a metaphorical thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's possible that in the past, Satan's demons had spoken maybe to Balaam, and I'm not, this is a, maybe a thought, maybe to Balaam through animals in, in the satanic, because he was always trying to call him the, through the devil through witchcraft and stuff. I don't know, but he just, he just responds in a conversation. And, you know, I think a person has reached a very low level in life if God has called a brute beast to try to communicate to your mind. Because you're not answering, you're not seeing it. It's like God has to go, mm, in a, such a shocking way, you got to realize the person's not doing well. And that's what's going on about. Let's continue to read now. I'm in verse uh, 20. No, verse 23, I want you to see. Donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing on the Lord, standing on the road. Animals are sensitive, but it actually says it saw, and what happened? God moved the, the animal, because he's in control of everything, to move off the road. Because yeah. that's amazing. We don't know what's in animals' minds, but I know instinctually animals are kind of humble toward creation. Because, you know, if you see a wild animal, they're not trying to cause any troubles. They're just living and eating and going on the instinct and, I think, the, you know, the nature of God's creation. God created them that way to just depend on God for food and things and right. just living through. But we see this, you know, the, 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 then we see, and then there's an angel, but only one that doesn't see it is Balaam. So let's pick up in uh, verse 25. The, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord... It pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. Wow. Okay, so the donkey, so, so he beat the donkey again. All right, that would hurt. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's been on a horse. It's been a long time, but those are big animals or a donkey. They move, and there's a wall, like a vineyard wall, and it moves over with your foot, and, it, and that, that, those, those, that, that donkey or that, that horse is, you know, Probably 800,000 could be you know, pounds. It's just, it's going to move and it's going to crush you. Oh! I mean, you can hear a scream in verse 25, can't you? Yeah. The donkey, so, so he beat the donkey again out of anger. Go, go! Then the Lord, in verse 26, then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood, and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey? Which you've always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now. But I, I would have spared it. That means he was going to kill him, but he says, I want to, I want to spare the donkey. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. He's like, you're coming straight on me, and if you don't listen to the warning signs of God, you're going to go down, and you're going to go down to death. Wow. But I'm not going to hurt the, I'm not going to kill the donkey. That's because, you know, God's not going to just, you know, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. He makes a comment, I won't kill it. I'll spare it. Verse 34, Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you're displeased, I will go back. So, that's it. 
That, that, that's, that's the response that we all need to have, myself included, when we see that our way is what God would call a reckless way, which, yeah. is, which would be a defensive, sinful, non-repentant, could be prideful. You know, nothing wrong with seeking to understand, but even when you're talking with someone, say with someone, you know when someone's talking or you're feeling accused or you, you feel misunderstood, you, you have to go, God, help me. Because you want to, your emotions want to defend yourself in a way that's nothing wrong with defending yourself to explaining, but your your emotions get going, yeah. and then it's like this defensiveness that it's not even about the person; it's about you not being open. Like what is being said? Is there is there anything I can learn, God, from what's going on here, even if this person's ninety nine percent wrong? Yeah. Because see, God will work in in ways that it's not about you being right; it's about you being righteous. See, we need to strive to be righteous, not focus on being right. doesn't mean you can't tell the truth, but the real goal is to stay righteous in the battles. But I did not realize I was in sin, you could say. See, he says, I did not realize you were standing in the road. Well, wake up. Yeah. He's woke up now. Yeah. And what I want you to see is how far has God going to try to help Balaam Get on the right track. And I want to go back to a scripture because it's a contradiction at first, but this is the point I want to let you really see. If you go back in verse, um, let's see, go back in the beginning where it says in Numbers, uh, excuse me, Numbers 20, verse 22. That night God came to Balaam in verse 20 and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Now we look at verse uh, 21, Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. He, it's like, okay, I'm paying God. But look what it says in verse 22. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood opposed him. Balaam was riding on the donkey and the two servants. Now, it doesn't explain totally, but you've got to know the whole story of this. Yeah. Is that he knew, even though he's going along with it, there was part of his heart still wrestling with the bribe and maybe he wanted to take it. So his heart was double-minded. And see, that's your job. That's my role. God's not going to force his way in. You've got to be honest with the God's word and scripture and transparent with everyone. See, to be real and deal, it means, oh, that's going to make me vulnerable. No, now we go back. If Jesus, Lord, you trust in God, you don't care if you're vulnerable. If you're using the wisdom to give glory to God, you don't care if you share things that people might go, oh, that's terrible. Or you share your life. Look at you. If you want to judge me, I'm sorry. I'm trying to tell you what Jesus died for for me. And even if I get open with something current, I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. I've repented. But this is my sin. It's ugly. I'm not happy about it. But I'm trying to change. Use it against me. I can't do anything about it. But that's who I am. I'm not trying to do it. That's Most people will go, I won't share nothing. Don't tell no one nothing. What can man do to me? That's the Bible says. Right, yeah. But we all fear that in a sense. Why? I don't know. Because you're not all the way in. What can mere mortals do to me? You know, people sometimes say, wow, you're so real. And I'm not trying to build myself up. I, I don't look for that. But I think I'm not really the most elegant preacher. I'm not the most, you know, you know, I try to get nuggets and study deep. I've been doing it for 29 years. But I just go, all I got is my realness. Right. I, I, I can polish, I can learn to be a speaker and give you quotes and stories and read them eloquently that aren't attached to me. Right. This guy ran the mountain and he broke his leg and he struggled and everyone's like, whoa, what a great story. And you moved him. It has nothing to do with you. It may be all right with the point in the scripture, but who are you while you're living it out and sharing? I strive to get up and make Jesus Lord every day. I've changed so much when I studied the Bible. I strive to take responsibility if I offend somebody or hurt someone's feelings or, or, or forget to show up because reliability is brought up or, or actually don't do what I say. I try to do what I say. And I try to say sorry when I don't or someone comes up and says something. I try to go, God, help me be humble and go for unity, not for argument. Does that make sense? Yes. That's what happened here. 21, 
20 says, hey, go with them. God says, go with them. And 21 says he gets up and does what God said. And then verse 22, God's angry. Well, what is he angry about? He's obeying outwardly. God was angry because he can see your hearts. See, we can, we can go and do whatever we want with people. God knows what's going on and who you really are. And the key is you've got to be who you are with people and God. You can't be who you are with God and then different with people. God won't work that way. That's powerful. That means you need to own your sin and deal. And, you know, I don't know about you. I probably repent every day about something. I catch a thought, and I'm just because I'm trying to make Jesus Lord. I don't have to make a big deal. I'm just like, I correct. Do you? Wake up. Well, let's look at Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Now, the donkey's talking to him. Let me tell you something. You might say, well, that, I would do that if a donkey showed up in my house or my car or just walked up down the street in my neighborhood. I don't know if you guys have any donkeys in your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, even if it was like, you heard this, yo. You're out there watering your azaleas. You hear this little truck. You know, the hoofs hit the thing and you look around. That's a, that's a big donkey. Donkey kind of drifts into your yard and relieves itself, and you're like, that just donkey just relieved itself in my yard. But then the donkey comes over more and starts to have a conversation. He says, the Lord wants you to repent of the sin that you're being deceitful on. You've been deceitful and you're holding deceit. He wants you to repent. Or the impurity that you're involved in and you continue to be involved in and no one else knows, you need to repent. Or the greed you're in, or the attitude you have, or the racism you still have, or the you know the stance you have, or whoever you, whatever you have, deal with it. Wow. You're like you're, you're still with the water on your tails, like. <laughs> then it goes away off your yard and kind of kicks a little bit and messes your nice sod off, and then gets on the yard, goes back in the street, and just goes on its way. What are you gonna do? Probably afraid to tell someone because they're gonna think you're mentally ill. I don't know. Remember, called me and said the donkey just trotted in my yard and said, repent. I go, okay. What is he saying? And let's see if it matches the Bible. Let's go to Bible. Okay, so what's going on inside your heart? Well, I am kind of struggling with impurity. I haven't been really open. All right, well, let's look at some scriptures because, you know, I, I wasn't there and I'm not, you know, whatever your emotional experience, but, you know, I wouldn't tell many people that because let's just go, but, but, it go, but with your, whatever your experience is, if it coincides with scripture, then Amen. <laughs> Because I've had people tell me stories. I had a vision. I had a dream. I'm like. And then I realize I'm not going to question people on that. Because experiences and feelings and whatnot, that's not my job. My job is to go, let's look at the Bible. And if it coincides with the Bible, it's not going to be good for you to go, I had a vision and a dream. And you're just talking about your vision and dream. That just puts people on you. You just don't worry about that. Just So what are you learning from the Bible? What's God telling you? And however God works, if it gets you centered on doing what God wants you to do and clear your heart, then you're good. Wake up. Look at Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward every person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. This is exactly what was going on with the Lord and God's word showing why Numbers has this story in it. It's not just to be humorous or to what. It's really weird. It's like, this is to you and me. We are Balaam in many areas in our lives if you're not willing to humble out to the words of God. And stay humble. And do what you first did at first when you made Jesus Lord. For me, if if everybody was like me, what kind of church we have? And I don't mean me. I mean, I'm obeying what God says like the first century disciples were in the church there. I want to be like the church in the scriptures of what the church, the blueprint of scripture says. I want to live that way. Jesus is Lord. I see the scriptures and I see examples and acts, the way they lived and their devotion to one another, one another, one another, their commitment to God and one another. There's a decision-making process all through the week in that. Martin even referred to how you think about your what God has given you. It's powerful. There's we all have freedom of choice. There's not necessarily a right and wrong. But if your heart isn't correct, then God's looking at it going, you're, you're deceiving yourself. The Bible says your heart is deceitful of all things. Be strong in the Lord, it says, have the 
truth, the belt of truth around you and the breastplate of righteousness, right? We looked at that in Ephesians 6. What's the breastplate guard and a soldier? Well, it's armor to hopefully guard your heart from a, from a life from a life-taking injury or being pierced with a sword or an arrow. You know, hopefully you don't dent it the first time and it stops you because the breastplate covers your heart. And that's why even today you see military or, or police or whatnot, they have, they have bulletproof vests. And it's just small. It's guarding here. The shoulders and their arms aren't guarded, but it's, 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 it's a life-threatening. Maybe you get hit in the shoulder or arm, that's going to take you down. But in the heart, it's stopping you from being killed. God's saying stop yourself from killing yourself spiritually. And, and realize you can't do it relying on just you. You must trust the Lord and then trust one another that are in the Lord using the scriptures and give your heart. That's trust. And you need to be willing to recognize the donkey moments in your life. Do you guys agree with me? Yes. So are you waking up? What do you need to wake up spiritually today to? Maybe you go out and you're afraid still that something's going to happen. Well, that's understandable because something could happen. Maybe you're afraid that you see in the media, which is terrible, but it's like, you know, you may see a mass shooting here or there, and I think that way too, and I have to go to God. Because I go, what if I'm in Walmart, which I was the other day? What if I'm in Hell Depot, and I'm seeing in these news that there's mass shootings? That's tough, isn't it? You ever thought that? And you know what? There's no answer. No one, I'm going to relieve all of our fears. There's no guarantee. Just be right with God. Be right with God because you're going to die at some time. It doesn't mean you don't use your wisdom, but it's sad. We're in a dark, fallen world. Yeah. Um, if we go back into numbers, I mean, just hold, hold right there for a minute. Yeah, go back in, in, into uh, numbers here because I want you to see when he crushed his ankle. What was that? He wasn't seeing it. He didn't see the angel... The donkey did. He saw the warning, and then God was, that's God's grace. So you got to see God's grace in your pain. Yeah. God's grace in what's going on in your life. You may not even see it because he loves you. But God's grace was like, okay, I'm trying to hope the donkey sees the sword and the angel. And the donkey sees it. Or why don't you see it? Well, we know he could have saw it because God opened his eyes because he was so double-minded that he wasn't open. His pride was blinding him. He's already made a decision. I'm right with God. I'm religious. That's why... Jesus went after the Pharisees in the New Testament. They were devoted religious people. And he says, you're, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. That means you're dutiful, you're religious, you're devoted to a church. But just because you're devoted to a church that even has Jesus used in it, if it's not corrected doctrine, meaning if there's false doctrines they teach that contradict God's word, then it's not a church from Jesus. Jesus wouldn't stay with half-truths or truths that don't go with his word because, well, that's not fair. No, because we have the Bible. It's very easy to mediate what he does agree with, what he doesn't agree. And that's where you got to go. Sentimentality could be your donkey. What's that mean, sentimentality? Sentimentality God gave us. But sentiment, you can be sentimental. That means you're going to show favor toward people that you have been endeared by, which is understandably a natural physiological response. Someone gives you dinner or feeds you. My wonderful wife, if she lays out dinner, some of you guys walk out with your brothers and go, you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, you know, you're grateful for things. But sentimentality, if it causes you to be more loyal to something that contradicts truth, then you're, then you're having a problem. You're not seeing God's truth anymore. If you're afraid to tell somebody something about maybe your faith or your convictions and, 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 and it may, they may get mad because they don't agree with what it means to be a disciple. You can't just stuff it and go along with the program. It doesn't mean that you change anybody, but you just can't be afraid to walk and be who you are and, you know, be prepared, it says, to give an answer of why you hope and do it with gentleness and respect. But you just can't, you know, people please because you're afraid what people think if you share about your faith or being yeah. a disciple. But sentimentality stops many people from being honest and getting right with God. They don't want to hurt their families. They don't want to hurt their people. They don't want to hurt people. Feelings. No, God says, you don't want to hurt people. But he says, if your decision to walk in my truth and make Jesus Lord be strong, that's, that's up to them. You're not going to try to hurt them, but you're not going to be shy about who you are. If they get offended by what you've done or who you are and how you live, that's, 
That, that's, that's their problem. It doesn't mean you're insensitive, but you can't control outside feelings of people by doing what you do. You don't stay sentimental. That doesn't do anything. It just prolongs the wound, and, you, and it's going to get infected, yeah. spiritually speaking. So, you know, a donkey talking to you, right? Well, this is what we look like sometimes. I don't have a donkey, but I'm going to do something even better. Brian, Brian Goins, three years old. Chaz was there, and I said, bro, I don't want to put this on. He goes, no, go ahead. I said, I, I, she's going to need therapy. <laughs> and, he, you know, I checked with the parents. I'd never do this, but he said, no, 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 because I know Brian real well. She calls me grandpa. And I just kind of put it on, came across generally, and looked around the corner, because I didn't want to, I still thought, she's going to freak out. And she just ran up to me and says, let me see, let me see. Because <laughs> this is pretty terrifying, right? Now, you say, well, that's not Satan doesn't do that. Well, he does. Let's just say you're a married couple and you're driving in the car. And there's an indifference or an attitude. And you're frustrated with each other. And you just get into that quiet mode. You're not saying anything, but you know there's vibes and unresolved things. Someone, you're, the husband's probably disrespected and the wife doesn't feel loved and doing And you're just not saying anything. But you're there because you have to hold strong. You're going, but you're not, there's that silence you know that it's not good silence. Satan's in the back seat, like this, with his arms resting in your deal, going, I'm really enjoying this ride. How are you guys? This is awesome. Thanks for having me with you. Yeah, yeah, to the wife. He is so lacking in humility. He just has to be in charge and whatever. He just gets so prideful. He doesn't show, he's not sensitive to you. And he goes to the husband, your wife always undercuts you and tries to override your decisions. She doesn't trust you. She even speaks up in front of people, contradicting what you said you wanted to do. Gosh darn it, I feel bad for you. Poor you, poor you, that wife. That's what he says. Because that's how you act. That's how I act. I have to wake up sooner and go, I rebuke you, Satan, and the thoughts that are not, not righteous and go, it's not about what my wife did to me. I need to go. God wants unity. He doesn't care. It's not like taking a stance anymore. Flesh and blood. I got to go, honey. And my wife's awesome too. But someone's got to come to get. Someone's got to go. Can we, can we talk and resolve this? And we, we, we hopefully you just need to take responsibility for you. Not going, you did this. That doesn't help. Yeah. You need to respond with the strong. Be strong in the Lord. And go, where can I change? And even if your husband is prideful and not being loving, you still need to go, what does the Bible say about my role? And then pray. And husbands, God calls us as spiritual men, as disciples, to husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Christ died for the church. So it means I got to do everything, even to the point of death, to be righteous and even draw my wife out instead of be mad or just quiet going to my cave whatever I'm just saying whatever yeah. no silence even though it's polite silence you know when there's a vibe in your house you got a deal yeah. until you do you're not seeing the donkey the donkey you're like the donkey and you're not seeing the warnings and you're not hearing the donkey talk to you and hopefully God doesn't have to go that far with you see we all have that God allows the donkey first these are the warning signs look how much God loves us in our life even when we're not right with God and we're in sin God, even when you look out of that and you come to your senses and change and repent and you look back, if any of you ever look back and go, God was so patient with me. Yeah. You know, Linda was so humble and such a, humility is so powerful. Thank yeah. you. Because you're such a sharp, executive, powerful, successful woman. To get up there and say that like that, it's just, all I do is go, wow, that's powerful. Because yeah. humility is powerful. It's saying, I need God and I need Jesus. So if we look at the warnings here, take it back in Numbers 22, it's a, it's, a, it's a process. First God says go with them, and then he's angry because here we go. And if you look more at the story, that's the problem. He's back and forth, back and forth. I want God. I'm almost there. But you just stay on the outside of the sidelines, and you don't go all the way in. 
Doesn't mean you're not going to overcome fear and doubt and everything, but Jesus needs to be Lord or you don't set, you don't do it. You're not right with God. You, when you make it Jesus Lord, first step, I know this for sure, and I'm going to fight the rest of my life to continue to be strong, faithful, and I'm not going to be double-minded. What we see in verse 25, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, and it pressed close to the wall. This is the second warning. And against Balaam's foot, crushing his foot. It says it crushing his foot. Now, it must have, he probably was really damaged. It says crushing his foot. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't just, ow, I bet it was, he was hurting. Well, this is like God wants to do everything short of killing you to get you right with God. I'm serious. I'm serious. God was saying, don't keep going this way. And why? Well, we see a very powerful statement here. It says his path is a reckless one. It says he's looked at it and your, 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 your path is reckless. And that's what I have to look at sometimes where God has used his discipline on me and I go oh when you see it you should just go thank you God almighty for allowing me to see it and then what took me so long to change and it's usually my pride and when you really see it it's not like you only but you just go oh my gosh I'm so overwhelmed with the love of God because see the first step he tried to steer off the donkey goes oh let's not go this way you're, you're, you need to get your heart right even though you're doing what God asks you to do, God, look at your heart, what's going on really inside you that no one else knows, but God knows and you know, and you're not dealing with it. You're like putting on a yes, God, but you're not right with me in your heart. So he turns off, first warning, gentle. No, we're not going this way. He beats him, this is frustrating. He's so not open spiritually. Just do what I say. So, okay, come back in there. That's first warning. And then he gets a little heated up crushes his foot. Secondly, there's going to be a little more pain. God loves you, but if there's pain in your life today, why? What are you supposed to learn? Don't just take the pain and, and no, no understanding. That's just going to get you bitter and angry. People that don't have trust in God just are bitter. One thing after another. They're just waiting. Life is a nightmare. One thing. The phone rings. Well, oh, here we go again. Oh. And it's just they don't know how to give it to God. They just are stuffing it. And it's just life is tough. You see people's faces as they get older. It's just going to work. Coming home. Their, their resting face is almost wrinkles and just, just tough. Hard road, man. Keep your heart soft with God if you walk with God. I don't want to be, I'm an old man. I'm already, I don't want to be a bitter old man. I mean, I'm not an old man. Who comforted me the other day? Janice. I said it was in the fourth quarter. She goes, no, no, Stephanie McManus, who's an awesome disciple, is cranking. He goes, she's in the fourth quarter, and she's an amazing, more mature, amazing sister in age than me. Come on, Stephanie. That doesn't matter. Life is short. Life is short. So let's finish out a couple of scriptures here that I just put down that hopefully fit into the lesson here. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't just put down, but you know. <laughs> Proverbs 24, 4. See, how do you stabilize the, your wavering or doubts? Doubts are normal, but how do you stabilize that? Instead of just struggling in your mind on spiritual, biblical beliefs that you're just keep, you may say you believe them, but you're not obeying them. Consistently. I believe it's just commit yourself wholeheartedly to whatever you said. When I married Sonia, I was still kind of scared, but I knew I loved her. But then I was so grateful that we're both trusting in God because I was like, how can I? I started to go, how can I do this for the rest of my life? I go, that's not God's, that's not your job. Your job is to say, Jesus, Lord. And then when you said, I do to my wife, I know I'm going to trust in God. She's going to trust in God. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you're in control and I love her and I love the way she loves God. So I could commit fully, wholehearted, not knowing the adventures and challenges that may come. Because I trust God. And when you commit wholeheartedly to God and his word for your life, that's it. And in Proverbs 24, 4, it says knowledge has to do with learning, perception, and grasping the big picture. Is that the verse? No. Well, let me go down. That's, that's what. I'm sorry. Oh, is it 
in verse, wait, oh no, excuse me, verse 3, is it by wisdom a house is built? Yes, yes sorry. Verse 3, you know, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So wisdom, remember it said James prayed for wisdom? Yeah. With, uh, by wisdom a house is built. you got to have architectural plans and know what you're doing physically, structurally, right? But you're building a spiritual home. And through understanding, it's established. What does that mean? Not just your understanding, being willing to respect the understanding and seek to understand others. But it says, through, uh, through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So what I just said, knowledge has to do with learning, right? Perception and grasping. But this begins with having a teachable spirit. See, with God, if you're not humble, see, Balaam didn't have a teachable spirit. He just said, yes, I'm all in, but he doesn't open with his private thoughts that were divisive against God's people and God. And it says here, it, you have a teachable spirit. Because if you don't have a teachable spirit, you, it, it, knowledge only can make from God's word. And when you say knowledge, you're living according to the knowledge of God's word, obeying it. By obedience, you're trusting that the way your life works out and what goes on, you're trusting that faith that God says, if you live the way I live, it's all, you, you know, you're going to see me in your life over and over and over, even when challenges come and whatnot, and you're safe. Knowledge makes life meaningful and rich, but not with tangible wealth. God gives us spiritual knowledge. So it's not to get rich, but the riches that lead to peace. Now you got to understand, what, do we, what does it mean like these rooms are filled? It's great that in verse 4, through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and treasures. It's not talking physically, right? It's not talking materially. Its rooms are filled. I think this language commit, uh, communicates a sense of abundant satisfaction, inner contentment, regardless of an outside circumstance. It includes having a positive attitude toward our circumstances, being self-motivated, and then striving to value relationships and give your heart and cultivate, not take them for granted. Realize every friendship, every relationship that you connect with is valuable in God's eyes. And if it's not valuable in your eyes, there's a problem. Cultivating relationships, the only thing that's valuable to God on earth is the souls of men and women. Which means relationship with them. Which means the only thing that's valuable that really has wealth is the community and the love we have for one another and finding relationships. And you need to go, do I have a positive attitude when things are tough? Or do I just, you know, I lose, I get weary quick. You need to work on that. Be strong in the Lord. That's what that means. Be strong in the Lord when it's tough. And we're not saying not, we want to identify and say, I know it's hard, but you need to grow. What about being self-motivated? Oh, that's hard when you don't feel like it. you got to train yourself to do the righteousness of God without someone going, hey, you need to do this. Take responsibility. If you ever had your own business, you know what that means. Don't down or up. <coughs> Cultivating and then making and then depositing friendships and relationships. I am all over the world just because of Jesus. I have all of them here. It's because of Jesus. So that's what that one means. Look at look in uh, Proverbs twenty four ten. See, if you think what you're turning there, if, you, if a house were to burn all the way down to the concrete slab, your house, and none, none of the riches of knowledge would get burned if you look at God's knowledge and live the way he wants. And you always see someone in a fire or something happens that survives the hurricane. If you, you go, you feel terrible, but most of the time people say, it's really amazing. I was watching this last one, that hurricane swept through and took the, just wiped out people's houses. The guy said... Well, we still are alive. We, we, still, we still are alive. We have our lives. We can rebuild again. Yeah. I mean, that was, his, that was his focus. And I, don't, I can't imagine just, you know, not, everything's gone. Yeah. But that's really what it is. In Proverbs 4, 24, 10, it says, If you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? Wow. Oh, wow. Sorry, guys. So how small is your strength? I hope it's not that small. Do you fell under pressure? That's the answer. And all of us have different pressure levels. The key is what are you doing in the pressure? Wow. Think back over the past year as we close out and allow God's spirit to move your mind to bring to you how you did in the midst of the difficulties this last year before we come into the new year. 
not to go back into pain on purpose, but you should be able to go back in pain or it's not finished. If you go, I can't, I don't want to go there. Hey, amen. I'm not going to tell you to do that, but you should be able to go back in that and go, you're here today. What is the lessons and the gratitude? I look at the pain and the things I was doing. I go, I'm glad I'm not there anymore, but thank you, God. And thank you for helping me see where I needed to stay the course and you were there and there was a reason you allowed the pain of the challenge to stay longer than I wanted it. Amen. Do you grow faint in adversity? Challenging times are a challenging test of your character. And guess what? Holding things in and being half-truths on the outside is faltering because that's trouble. You need to be real and deal. If you stumble and fall on the ground, then what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan, says in Jeremiah. If you can't go on flat ground when life's going normal, what are you going to do when a challenge is happening? If you're already just not dealing with life on life's terms. Make your mind up. Now guys, as we close out, be strong in the Lord. I don't care where you're at today. You can study the Bible and continue. And if some of you are studying the Bible and you're learning about it, don't stop. Persevere. Make decisions. Go, do I really believe this? Let's talk. Let's reiterate. But then it goes, do you believe what you're learning in the scriptures to be right with God? Yeah. Follow it all the way through. Don't just sit there double-minded. Make decisions. See God's grace in your donkey's pain. When the, whatever the donkey is, the pain that comes to you. If your foot's getting crushed right now, maybe God's saying, you, I'm doing this to you to get your attention. And then wake up, and that's not in a mean way, just wake up spiritually. Ask God to be aware of your surroundings with spiritual vision, and God be the glory. Amen. Amen.